What's happening? What's happening, Mac? How are you? It is the 18th day of February. We didn't mention this a couple of weeks ago, but I thought about it just now. Puxatawney Phil said that we're actually going to get spring early now. Spring will spring early. So, well, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's when he, he doesn't see his shadow, right? I think when he sees his shadow, it's an early spring. Yeah, he, so he saw his shadow this year. But it's like right. the first time I can remember ever. I mean, I'm sure it's happened before in my lifetime, but like. Well, can we be real? I'm going to have to bleep this out, but no matter what he says, I always call b- Yeah, same here. It's just like any <laughs> other weatherman. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, well, funny thing that you bring up, Groundhog Day. Um, that film is one of the most underrated films of all time. Like It really is. You don't talk about it as, oh, this is my favorite movie of all time, but there's not a soul on the earth, planet Earth that doesn't like Groundhog Day. Yeah, I've never been. I've, I've never met anybody. It's like, yeah, I hated Groundhog Day. <laughs> like nobody can give clear validation as to why they dislike Groundhog Day. And I'll tell you why I think it's the only movie I can think of that replays itself over and over and over and over. That's fun. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean. Like, there's another movie that I watch with Dennis Quaid. Yeah, Dennis Quaid. The what's which one's the more serious Quaid? Dennis is the one that's not extradited to Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, okay, so Dennis, Dennis. Quaid. Randy saved us from aliens. Yes, in, yes. In so yeah, day. Dennis is in a movie called Vantage Point. Yes, and it it replays like a scenario where he's got to solve a crime or something, but it doesn't. It's not the same. Like, not you know what you're getting when you get thirty five minutes into Groundhog Day. Yeah, for sure. And that's if you're like, all right, I wonder what's going to happen this time. Well, what I like, what it's kind of, it, it is, it's a, it's a good film. Um, but the underlying love story in it is awesome because of all the ways Bill Murray tr- oh. tries to woo that lady the whole time. You know, he learns how to play the piano. He learns all the, you know, all the answers. Oh yeah, to, uh, the Jeopardy thing. He learns how to ice sculpt. Like he yeah. tries to put together. The perfect night to, right. to get her, and you know, it's it's a good film. It That's really a, is, it and really another is. reason we like it because it's got uh, Punks of Tony Phil in it. And yeah, he's just so dang cute, young Phil. Yeah, well, um, it is good to see you once again. Absolutely, uh, it's been man. about a been about a week and a half. We've both been pretty busy, and I'm not going to lie to you. All this rain kind of makes it hard to get things done yeah, no doubt, and get man. our time together. I mean, it's we need an arc. So your call on Phil may be true because. I, well, I don't know when we're technically supposed to get our spring, but, you know. It, it, Early April showers. <laughs> I, mean, I hope they're getting out of the way in other Man, ways. Man, it's been Too insane. much good stuff in the spring going on. Yeah, know? for sure. Well, you know, one thing we just talked about in the last podcast that has kind of came and went or come and went, whatever the proper English there is, is Valentine's Day. Always does. Yeah, and we talked about it kind of being an overhyped commercial holiday Agreed. that was really not necessary, but one of those kind of necessary yeah. evils, if that makes yeah. sense. But got me thinking, man. Got me thinking about my f- first few dates, or like how I began dating and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I lived in South Pontotoc, sure. so we had to come to Tupelo. Absolutely. But it got me thinking, what was your first date? All right, so this is this is nuts because what you because of what you just mentioned is parlays me into this a little bit. Not even know you were going to mention that when I brought up Dennis Quaid, but um, my first date. Th- all right, so my first ever. I guess, like, school girlfriend where, like, you don't even really talk to each other unless you're at school. I was in fifth grade or maybe sixth. I think it was sixth grade. But anyway, the year was 1996, so I would have had to have been in sixth grade. Right. And I was – my girlfriend was a girl by the name of Abigail Hubbard. And um, anyhow – 
Uh, I have no idea what she's doing. She's from now. Verona. I'm not real sure, to be honest with you. Man, okay. She was a Tupelo Schools chick, and then she, I don't know what I happened. Sh- I hope the hell she listens to the podcast. <laughs> I really don't, but it shouldn't be embarrassing 23 no, yeah. years after it's the fact. Not. But it's, I guess, because you put me on the spot. But my mom took her and I to see the movie Independence Day starring Randy Quaid. Now, we met two other uh, intermediate school couples there, too. Their moms dropped them off. So it was just like this fun little. But it was, and I I remember I got her a gift, and it was the worst gift. It was the, what was the old store in the mall that not, not, uh, uh, Spencer's, but before that, it was like the same kind of story. Right, it wasn't Gadzooks. Gadzooks, it was Gadzooks. And I got this uh, tie-dyed candle with no Ooh. scent, and I left the tag on the bottom of it. Okay. It was like two ninety nine, <laughs> And, like, <laughs> she broke up with me, like, three weeks later. For good reason. And and wrote in a letter. You know, this is back before text. So it was in a handwritten letter that I got passed to me through, like, four different people that had probably already read it. And she handed it to, and the, whoever handed it to me, and I read it, and it said all this, and it was said, P.S. at the bottom, uh, I don't want your cheap candle. Oh, my so it burned. God. It burned an 11-teen-year-old Mac Holland. Pun intended. Hard. <laughs> yes. Uh, man, I tell you, I was a, uh, an eighth grader, and I was at South Pontotoc, and my girlfriend went to Pontotoc, and... I remember my dad had to take me to her house for her mom to take us to the Malco 10 off of Cliff Gookin. Amen. And we showed up, and she was a pretty mature acting kid. This is 1997, as a matter of fact. Okay. I remember the year. Uh, so we, we got there, and I walked up like a uh, 15-year-old kid right up to that window, and I said, me and her and her good friend were going on the date, and because uh, her mom said, I'm not letting y'all two go out. On your own, I know this Baldwin boy. You know. I mean, oh so man. We uh we walk up to the I walk up to the window and I was like, yeah, I'll take three for Scream Two, and that person at the window looked me right in the face and said, I need to see some ID. I was like, oh, really? That'd be, that'd be three for Vegas vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so we, my first date was a uh, Chevy Chase Vegas vacation. So we both went on our first date, starring in a, to see a movie with Randy Quaid in it. That's right. Yep. What are the odds? Man. Look at us. In the mid-90s, probably pretty good with all the movies <laughs> no he was kidding. in. But, yeah, I remember that. That was my first my first <laughs> thing. And speaking of, like, funny things that I did along the same line, so I was in the sixth grade at Seymour uh, Middle School, and I knew, unbeknownst to everybody else, that I was leaving at the end of that year and moving in with my dad in Indianola. I didn't tell any of my friends because it would be too heartbreaking. I was just going yeah. like, to go to Indianola for the summer to spend it with my dad and not come back. That was kind of the plan. Nobody knew about it but me, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I was leaving, and uh, the week before I left, I went and got my girlfriend uh, who I went to school with. Her name was Kara Justice. No, Kara. I can't remember her last. Kara Wilkinson. Now okay. she's Kara Justice. I think she's married a friend of ours from, high, from uh, elementary school. But uh, I got her a ring from Walmart. Along Dang, the same man. lines, it was like seven ninety nine, like seven dollars and ninety. You spent five more yeah, than I did. I so uh, I remember I gave it to her, and it was the last day of school, and I knew I wasn't coming back, and she didn't know I wasn't coming back. And I remember I kissed her before we got on the bus, Dang, and I dude. was like, "Yeah, I know, right?" I was like, "As first, you know, first every kiss, kiss begins with Brian <laughs> and his seven ninety nine ring." So anyway, I was like, uh, <laughs> "I said, 
all right. So we, back then, it was for cell phones, for the internet. So we could talk on the phone. That was it. You know, a little right. bit. So I was like, well, this is probably the last House time. House phone. This will be the last time I ever see her. That's what I'm banking on. This yeah. will be the last time I ever see her. Nope. A week later, we've been kind of chit-chatting on the phone a little bit. You know, a week later, I go to the big water park in, Seymour, in Pigeon Forge, Ogles Water Park for yeah. Severe County Day. And she's there for a birthday party. And she comes up, she's like, that ring you gave me turned my finger green. And I was like, oh, okay. What does that mean? She's like, it was fake. And I was like, well, no crap. We're what six, <laughs> six great kids. <laughs> and she broke up with me by the big uh, wave pool at Ogles Water Park. So, did she expect you to go to Zales? I mean, or Jared? I, good lord! Get the expectations easy, on these Jared. these no, these expectations on these grade school women. <laughs> Man, it's really tough on kids these days. Because mm. back then, I didn't have a muscle. Like I was, I had a bad parted down the middle, feathered haircut. <laughs> I, had a I wore silk shirts and long denim shorts. Dude, I took a I took a school day picture and. The, uh, it, okay, so get this. <laughs> Did you have a Mo from the Three Stooges haircut? Well, I have a calyx. I had a bowl cut, and it looked like it because my calyx sticks up right in the middle. I remember because my mom still got it somewhere. God love Your her. Your calyx? She's, no, the calyx. <laughs> I've got my calyx sitting on the couch. She's got the picture, like my composite from school day picture. And, of course, she was that mother that ordered, like, the the Cadillac package yeah. in school, like buttons. It's like an old painting above the fireplace. <laughs> but I don't know. I had that that god awful uh, bowl cut with a cowlick, and I remember we played recess football, and I got a shiner from a guy's knee, so I got like a little black eye, so it looks like I got the hell beat out of me. And then on top of that, that same Gadzooks purchase also included a T-shirt. You know, they did parodies, yeah. and it was Tummy Poke Finger with the Pillsbury Doughboy in okay. the middle of it. So, it's pretty funny with you wearing that. Yeah, I wish I wouldn't remember all of that. And I, God, Mom, if you're listening to this podcast, Man. please don't ever show anybody that 8 by 11 To wrap up the conversation about this, school day pictures, my mother and father divorced, so mom was a single mom, dad was living, some, coaching basketball somewhere, yeah. you know, another city, you know, about an hour away. And so my mother and I live with my grandmother in a really nice suburb, uh, suburban home, uh, neighborhood home in Germantown, Tennessee. Yeah. So my mom had to go to work early at South Central Bell. My grandmother at this time had retired from Bell South or South Central Bell, and she was running a doctor's office. She was like, you know, the head admin and stuff yeah. like that. So she would get me up and get ready for school, and uh, we were having picture day. And I swindled my sweet, sweet grandmother into letting me wear my favorite Ole Miss sweatshirt for picture day. Dang. It is the greatest picture I have ever taken in my entire life. I want to see it. Second grade Brian was so handsome, perfect hair, nicely tanned skin from my soccer games I've been playing in a big old red Ole Miss sweatshirt. And till the day my grandmother passed, we would joke about that, about how mad my mom was. She was like, Mama, I, you know, I cannot believe you did this. <laughs> She's like, well, Debbie, I, it was Brian. She let me kind of do what I wanted. But, uh, yeah, that was that was, that was was pretty good. I never had a cowlick, but I do have a big old red on Miss sweatshirt in my finest days for sure. I had one kid who I went to school with in Seymour, Tennessee, who wore a fishnet tank top. <laughs> I, I remember that. He wore a fishnet tank top for his school picture day. And I remember asking him, Hey, Jimmy, why did you wear this shirt? And he said, you're supposed to wear your best clothes. And he was as serious as oh, him be. Oh, man. Black fishnet tank top. Like, you know what I'm talking you, about. I'll tell you this. As you get to be like a teacher, you Spike, notice that kind of spiked stuff. Spiked hairdo. And you're like, 
you know, that may be the best they've got. So, you know, let's. You but know. he usually wore T-shirts to school. Like, so <laughs> it, it was just an anomaly. It was like, why are you? you know. He thought that was his best clothes. It may have been. Well, it might, well it in <laughs> placebo. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know? he, but, I mean, I remember him wearing a tie for, like, our second grade graduation and a shirt. So I know. So he couldn't have. <laughs> so just in his mind. It was like uh, in Big Daddy. He's like, what do you want to wear today? Yeah. <laughs> and he's, what do you want to eat? I want 30 packets of ketchup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but, you know, uh, man, how <laughs> Valentine's Day is a pretty, like you said, we talked about overrated, but yeah. what is your favorite of the non-get-off-of-work federal holidays? You know what I mean? Like, well, I guess what, you know, I mean, Halloween's way uh, is one, things like that, things you don't get off work. Super Bowl. So yeah. Me, what are your favorites? And give me, tell me why. Well, I don't really think uh, – well, here's the th- – I mean, I guess I kind of look at all the not-get-off-work ones the same. My favorite is probably St. Patty's Day, simply because I think it's the only one that ties everybody together a little bit. Because, you know, like Halloween, like me, myself, personally, I don't really get into, like, the candy part of it and the dressing up and then Valentine's, only if you're dating somebody, and then even then it could be an obligation – but St. Patty's Day, it's like, everybody going to wear a little green today? Yeah. You know, maybe go to the drink, local watering hole later. Drink and a couple. Do green beer or what, you know. like dozen just, beers. And then, like, I remember my mom and I used to, I can tell you this was a huge deal uh, in Driver's Ed when I was at Pontotoc. Mm-hmm. St. Patty's Day, they did free green pancakes. So cool. I used to take my kids. It, well, when it, fe- when, it fell on, when it fell on a yeah. weekday. Whichever class was looking or group was lucky enough to drive that day, we was hopping in that car, headed from Pontotoc to IHOP to get our free green pancakes. And it Man, was awesome. yeah. I mean, you're one of the good teachers. You're <laughs> one of the good ones. Kids learn how to drive, the rules yeah. of the road, and also was, how to bend the, the rules. Well, not break them. Let me say this. Rules are made to be bent. Let me say this about driver's ed. There's a lot of people that do it by the book, literally. I don't believe in the book. And the reason I say that is you have to have the book to pass the test. You have to drive to know how to drive. Right. So I always used to get to our principals. I was like, look, the, the the day you let me drive is the day I'll be in the car. So if you tell me that needs to be 15 days on day 16, we're driving. If you tell me it's eight days, day nine, we're driving. Simply because I just, you know, and I mean, in my current part-time job, I'm doing that. And it's like, you know, I don't spend any time in the book. I don't want them to know. You know how many feet you're supposed to stop before a drawbridge? I want them to know what happens when you get in traffic and you've got to switch lanes and turn right before a light. You know, like, I mean, you can't teach that out of a book. Is so. it 500 feet before a drawbridge? 50. 50. Or 50 before the line. 50 before the line, okay. I was, man, you should give you more space than that. You never know what's going to happen. Well, the, if it, the bridge starts going up, I guess you got bigger problems. So, I, I, I got, I got, I'll tell you real quick before we move. Uh, I got a statement to make about driving, like you're talking about. Sure. Um, I think the qualifications to get your license are stringent enough. The period um, where you know where you have to like, I guess you have to take the book test. Yeah, you got to do the driving test. Yes, uh, you got your permit. The period you got your permit for mm-hmm. you know six months to a year yeah. before. Um, I think that's okay. That the uh, the written test is not that easy. You know, no. I, do they still do one of three? You know, back in the day, you got like the easy one, the hard one, and the medium one. It just kind of depending on how that's got. Well, and of course, I hadn't taken it, but I've taken several kids to take it, and I think it's more about where you go. Okay, well, go to Pontotoc. You used to be on the third third, third Friday of the month, and that was well, always now the it's easy one. New Albany. Go to New Albany. In Albany. It's good there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I, you know, I remember that was hard enough, and then, you know, you had to go take the driving part, which was also kind of difficult. But 
I think there should be a retest. And I'm being honest. I think when you turn 65, you should have to go retake the driving test. And I don't believe you should necessarily have to, your license taken away. But I believe there should be some stipulations. You could you could have stipulations put on it then. And I think that's fair. If you're told right, you can't drive at night, yeah, yeah, or uh, yeah, or if uh, you know maybe hey, this person has a, a, a maybe an aptitude to get lost sometimes, turned yeah. around. So let's go ahead and give them like a state issued monitor on the bottom of their car. And you know what I, I mean? Don't the tracking think that, thing. Uh, I don't think you're saying that because you're upset at old people. No, I'm saying for safety. For, 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 yeah, yes. exactly. You're. I think you're exactly yeah, right because like, let, let me let me do. I do need to make this statement to go along with that. Old people don't cause wrecks. No. Young people cause Young wrecks. Young people do. But because of the mass, you know, quantities of younger people getting mm-hmm. their license and older people not having, or, or older people, less older people driving, it makes it difficult, more difficult on the older people. Yeah, drive. slower uh, driving, uh, slower driving, more cautious, less offensive driving uh, people of age. Yeah are in more danger because of distracted, fast-driving people of any kind. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, you know, for instance, like, the reason I'm saying this, the other day I was behind a lady on, uh, where did I live on? Coley Road. Yeah. Off Coley Road going to Chesterville. And she was in the far right lane going by the orchard. Okay. And she was probably going 25 miles an hour. Right. And the weather was okay. And she was going let me rephrase that closer to 35 miles an hour almost 40 but i was trying to go 50 and she had her flashers on i pulled up beside her and thought something was wrong so i pull up and i like i look and she's just driving looking forward and i was like there's no panic going on so i roll my window down i was like hey ma'am she would not pull over for me you know and i was just like well maybe she's kind of scared well she pulls over in the parking lot in Snap Fitness, where I was going, so I get out of my car. Now I think she thinks that I'm following her. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I get out, and she gets out, and she's kind of like, "Hey, ma'am, I'm just. Are you okay? I see your flashers are on." And she was just like, "Yeah, I always drive with my flashers on." And I was like, "Okay, why?" She goes, "Well, just to let everybody else know that I'm on the road and driving a little slower." Which is a, I mean, I guess in her right, it is a good precaution. Yeah. But like. What if all old people thought like that? Right. Then you'd be in, I mean, you yeah. can't be in bumper-to-bumper traffic so, and nine people got their flashers what on. What that told me is she was not comfortable driving. driving. You know what I mean? Correct. But she knew she had to do it. So, I mean, that being said, we can figure out ways to help yeah. to help folks out. But maybe she needed some restrictions. You know what I mean? Maybe she needed something, like well, a button on their dash to when, if they think they're lost, they push that yeah. button and somebody comes to them. You know, well, like, Let me tell you. An 80-year-old lady who does not need restrictions is Sadie Hall. Zero, and she'd be she, fine. She goes 10 over yeah. speed limit. Yeah, and she drives faster than I Which scares me. Yeah, and and you know, and she's one of those people that at 65 when she takes her test, she's fine. Yeah. At 70 when she takes her test, she's fine. She's yeah. probably going to be fine forever. Oh, but like, yeah. But, but there are people, I mean, my dad, before he uh, passed, before he got to where he couldn't drive, like he had terrible reaction and terrible vision. Yeah. And we would be in the car – he would just pull out in front of people on Goodman Road in South Haven. You know what I mean? Just make a turn, like yeah. almost like they're going to stop. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. I, you know and, I mean? and a lot of older people think like that. My dad's one the of them. Bus driver He's like, They'll move. Yeah. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Excuse me. What, but what if they're not paying attention? Exactly. Yeah. What if they they're driving with their knee and, and texting and changing the radio? That's so. my dad. Yeah, and he'll you know cigar in hand on the phone changing the radio with his toe cruise yeah. control. I mean, he just you know it's but, all over the place. But they'll move. 
But they don't but, I mean, anyway, but and then I'm not saying they have to demean older people of age, but I just think that I really think that it would be a good thing to take it again. And I'm I, I'm not yeah. in favor of taking away their license, but and I think it would also make them more aware. Sure. And it would, that maybe I don't need to drive. Don't anymore. don't put. And you know what? What makes it tough is if you're in the car with Gloria five years from now, and you're going, gee. You ain't. You don't want to be driving anymore. Yeah. She's going to take major offense. She's going to listen to this, but she. Uh, but but if she is in the car with yeah. a, with a highway patrolman or somebody from the you know the the DMV yeah. and they're like you know Miss Holland, are you okay? I mean, yeah. are your eyes okay? And it probably should be a different test too. Yeah, like how, you know, like yep. the one you do the teenagers is like take a right here, take a left yeah. here, and, and your mom's your fine. Yeah. But like my grandma wouldn't have been driving in Memphis, so she didn't need to take the test in Memphis. Yeah. Let's go take it in Pontotoc where you're going to be sure. driving. Like you know, you're not going to Tupelo, right? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I'm just saying that. I, I think and that's the other the other end of that spectrum is 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 one that's obvious, and it's one that I don't under any circumstances condone drunk driving. But I'm telling you, just based on statistics, based on teaching the class. Texan driving is twice as dangerous. Way worse. Way. I was. I'll just go ahead and say this. I'll incriminate myself. When I was younger and driving, and when I should not be, I was way more aware than I am when I'm doing something and distracted. Driving. And here's the thing. Even with my my we radio, all do it from time to time. I'm as guilty as anybody. I, if anybody should be against it, it's me, and I am. But if anybody should not do it, it's me. Now, and I will say this: you get to a stoplight. You want to answer a text, that's fine. But the second you get it answered, put it up. Because, I mean, I have road rage, admittedly. I'll incriminate myself. Even as a driver's ed instructor, I have road rage. But it just burns my guts. When I'm not necessarily in a hurry, but see, I don't like being in a car. Some people like driving. I'm in a car way too much in my job. And you just, you know, it just, I, I like getting from A to B. Jobs, plural. Is, yeah. And, and I like getting to where I need to go, A to B as safely and quickly as possible. So if I'm in the left lane and I'm trying to pass somebody that's properly driving slow in the, lo- in the right lane and there's a teenage girl in front of me, and I'm, I didn't have to be a girl, I just said that, but if there's a teenager in front of me... A and, young driver. A, a young driver, and they're on their phone going four miles an hour under the speed limit, like, I have the worst problem of once I do, once I can get around them going, hey, you know, put your... Making the hand motion about to put your phone up, like you're, you know, you want to, you know, go crash your car into a tree. Be my guest, but don't kill somebody else. Don't kill me. Don't, you know, I just, oh, it burns me up, man. Yeah, um, I used to give automatic zeros. You brought your phone in the car, and drivers ed when I was at Pontotoc. Well, well, you know, it's hard enough to drive without being distracted by yourself with other people around. Now, if you throw in the fact that they are also distracted, and some of them are careless, speeding, uh, and then you also have wildlife like deer, things like that running around but in our park that you have zero control. I've hit four in my life. You remember that one we almost hit that night coming back from the revivalist? Yeah, not to incriminate right, ourselves. <laughs> right, right, right before I was going to drop you off at Tacopola, yeah. and it was like, it was an inch and a half from my. Left side mirror. I know. And I was like, Brian, 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 Brian. And he was like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And I just remember being like, what I was taught, if I swerve, we're more likely to wreck than if I just plow that deer. But see, I'm always worried about them running into the side of my vehicle when their antlers getting in my, you know, poking my eye out or whatever. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Well, to wrap up the, the St. Patrick's Day thing, here's why I yeah, like St. Patrick's. No, no, I, I brought that on because I thought that was necessary. You, yeah. made, you made a good point, uh, and you were talking about driving, man. And I just, like I said, uh, it's not a right to drive. 
It's right. a privilege to drive. That's true. Very, so I, very true. I think to keep the privilege, you need to maybe prove that you sh- should be able yeah. to. And I'll say this. I'm not saying – I would gladly take the test at 65. Brian Ball would sure. win. You know what I mean? Give me the test. If I can't drive, Absolutely. I don't need to be back there. But uh, but uh, St. Patrick's Day is the every person's holiday. It is. Because a very small percentage of us are actually Irish. Oh, yeah. And even fewer of us are pale-skinned redheaded and irish right so uh we all kind of have adopted that the holiday but like like groundhog day that you know like the movie everybody likes people of all cultures are gonna wear green on on, Mm -hmm. i mean i I make it a point too and i don't even like doing stuff like that. we all drink either green beer or if you don't want to have the headache from green beer you drink guinness or you drink an irish car bomb or you go to silky let me go ahead and tell you something you have not lived a St. Patrick's Day until you have went to one of two places on this planet. Silky O'Sullivan's on on Bill Street in Memphis. Um, some friends of mine and we went through uh, we went through four divers and thirty two hours car bombs one night. Okay, fun times. You're here to talk about it. Yeah. So um, yeah, we are here. Uh, we got banned from Silky's for a little while, but uh, <laughs> we're here. I gotta mention this. I'm banned from Pato's. I threw up in the fountain before the Liberty Bowl one year. I'm glad the place is not Since there anymore. Since this is apparently it's Jerry Lee Lewis, apparently this now. is the incriminate yourself podcast. So I wasn't gonna let you out on a ledge right no, there by yourself. No, I'll, I'll get on the. Pl- I'll walk. We're the jumping plank the plank myself. together, man. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, and the, the other place I was gonna say for New Year for uh, St. Patrick's Day is Paddo's. Yeah. Like uh, we do the uh, Hurricane Challenge. And I'm just going to quit. I will talk. I can't it. tell it well, but you need to ask somebody that was with me that night to tell you the Paddo's story. It's it's great. It's I'll, so valuable. I'm sure there's somebody. Well, we used to go to Paddo's in uh, in Memphis quite often because it was right there by Silky's and right there by you know the Forum, and we'd always go to games. And that was our, <laughs> we would go to Wet Willie's before and Silky's before, and then we would go to the Paddo's after. And uh, the uh, all my buddies would have their bachelor party on Bill Street, and we would end up at Pat's because the piano bar was really. That's what I love the most it was about Pat's. So was that fun, piano, the piano bar, bar. Man. and you could. The thing about I liked about it was huge. You could go to the back courtyard with the fountains. Yes, you could go to the little the the side sports looking bar. You know, if you want to get away from the piano bar, and they had the piano bar. Food was pretty good too. They yeah. had all the drinks, but um, we had the the, uh, the hurricane challenge. Was they'd bring you two of the big old hurricanes in the glass, and you had to drink two in thirty seconds. Yeah, two people in this living room have done this, uh, and neither of the pups are raising their hands, so it's us. But um, nothing will get you going, like two hurricanes in a half a minute. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. But, uh, yeah, so if you have a chance, go to an authentic Irish pub or bar or uh, something like that. Dan McGinnis in South Haven. Um, Flying Saucer up in Memphis. These are all fun places to go to. And uh, get yourself, I don't like to say a little culture, but a little bit of the uh, Irish way of but life. But see, the, I think the thing that makes St. Patty's Day so special is it's not like, it's not a religious holiday. No. But it's a country, like like one whole country goes nuts on St. Patty's Day. It's fictional. It, it, it's about St. Patrick driving all the snakes out of Ireland. There were never any snakes in Ireland right. to begin so with. Right, so it was really just an excuse for these people in Ireland to get blasted drunk. Yeah. But I love it. Because like any time I've ever like been anywhere for St. Patty's Day, it's like all the people you know that are like, you know, 
a quarter Irish, they're there. It's like I got 365 days of the year, and I only got one of them that celebrates me. My so. friend Kyle Mackins is redheaded as can <laughs> yes. be, and I don't even know if he's Irish, but he can claim it. You know what I mean? He could. I mean, oh yeah, he, he, can, a rock he, star he can own St. that Patty's one. Day. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, St. <laughs> Patty's Day, it, it's a lot of fun. But uh, well, I guess we're going to round up that talk right there. And we're going to we're going to one quick bit. Oh please, we talked about Columbus Day a little bit. Yes. I don't know why. I don't even know when Columbus Day is, and it's, it's important. October obviously. second Monday, I think. Okay, I'm I'm not shocked that you know that. I think so. But do you remember? I guess the movie Step Brothers. Yes. They're in the interview, mm-hmm. and they're in the tuxedos, and then they ask about holidays. Like Columbus Day is kind of a big day for me, and I always think about that on Columbus Day. It's like, are we going to get off that day? It's a big day for me. So it is probably. <laughs> The most overrated of the ones we get out of work for, right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah, he literally accidentally found us. Yeah. He took indigenous people, slaves. I didn't get off for Columbus Day. Well, I mean, my dad would have, my dad would have been like, "Well, you can accidentally find work this morning." <laughs> well, the banks are closed, so Blue Delta was closed. Yeah. Well, so. see, and that's something that throws me off about those kind of holidays. Like yesterday, I tried to go to the bank in Oxford, closed President's Day. I was excited about that one. I needed the long weekend. Oh, you got it off? Oh, yeah. We give our employees – see, because I'll say this here. Um, we have – our team uh, production method is like very uh, lean manufacturing oriented, sure. so one job leads to the next. Right. So if McKinley misses on a random Tuesday, well, somebody's got to fill your job. Well, then that takes them away from their job right. as the lead, which is doing other push-and-pull jobs. So we we give vacation – but we also have scheduled paid holidays. Sure. So sure. if that makes sense, like we Where don't want everybody's off. Everybody's yeah. off. They get paid because if, if we if we don't, and half the room misses for you know Martin Luther King Day or sure, something like sure. that. Well, we can't make jeans anyway. I mean, we can, right. but it's going to be not right. cost effective. So there ain't no holiday like a paid holiday. There ain't no holiday like a paid holiday. <laughs> but, but anyway, well, I tell you what, Mac and I are going to take a quick break. We're going to refill our refill our drinks and uh, come back and. Going to speak a little bit of sports. Coming right back up. A little bit. A little bit. We'll be right back. And in the parking lot, I said it's mighty hard. Maybe I could buy you a beer. She said, I'm glad you asked, but I'll have to pass because only members are allowed in here. And I said, I'm a member of the country club. Mr. Parkman, you're a great ball player, and I'd just like to say you're standing on the tracks and the train's coming through the butthead. The hell with the signals. Bring it here, Ricky! So- Hello, Ryan. That was not a uh, go-rest-high break. That was a scheduled maintenance break. For sure. Everyone- We're trying to mix more of those in. Yeah, because <laughs> well, one of these days we will uh, accept all these millions of dollars in advertising and uh, and be able to put a real commercial there. We're just prepping ourselves. Just yeah, just just the inevitable. Just getting ready. AT and T's called already. We're trying to get them a thirty second spot. But you know how tough that is these I days. Mean, I told them. I said, you know, fair market value is at least one point four million dollars for thirty seconds. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. But uh, what well, you know, we we need to do a little bit of sports talk. I think uh, there's been yeah. some things happen. Um, interesting things more so than you know. Um, I guess you would say your normal topics. Um, yeah. 
basketball season is in full swing. Uh, high school basketball is uh, is in their division uh, north half tournament play. Yeah. Uh, college basketball is uh, the back half of conference play is finishing up, and before long they'll be having their tournaments. The NCAA, uh, the NBA just got through its All Star break, and uh, pro baseball season is uh, pitchers and catchers and minor uh, and spring training is underway, and college baseball season. Is really in full swing now with the first weekend yeah. admin. So before we dive into some NBA talk and stuff like that, tell me a little bit about what's going down in Starkville for college baseball this year. Good opening weekend, man. Uh, State went into this spring with one bona fide weekend starter, which don't let anybody fool you, not that they try, but college baseball is about who you pitch and who you pitch on the weekends. What does your staff look like on the weekends? Some question marks for Mississippi State. Lost uh, two key cogs last year, obviously, and Ethan Small, first-round pick for the Brewers, and Peyton Plumley, who was the Game 3 closeout guy every single important weekend. Uh, but they brought back what was the rock star of last year's recruiting class, JT Ginn, who more than likely will probably be another first-round pick if he stays healthy. Uh, he did not have the best of outings Friday, uh, but he was on a pitch count. It was around 60. Uh, a lot of teams you'll see do that this earlier in the year because, you know, it's Wright State I think is going to be a good team. They're not a bad program. I think they're going to be a 30 to 40 win team, probably going to be in somebody's regional. They'll so be, it was a, they'll good be a three sweep. or four. Uh, some familiar faces. I mean, you can't replace a Jank Mangum. Not as a player or what he meant to the university. He's the only guy that played two terms, right? He played eight years at state, right? Yeah, <laughs> he was and so- almost got reelected. <laughs> but he, he is, is for what it's worth, he's still considered the mayor of Starkville. He's also uh, the mayor of Oxford. And he's, yeah, he's just like AJ Brown's the mayor of Starkville. But but no, he uh, you know you don't replace him. But there were four unbelievably solid holdovers in Justin Foskey, Jordan Westberg, which form your up-the-middle defense, which is – I can't tell you how important you gotta it is got to be good up the baseball. middle. And Rowdy Jordan, who played in left field, was moved to center field. Hell which, of a name for a NASCAR driver. Oh, I know, right? I, I, I need to – man, I wish that I – That or a bull rider. I, I know, right? But he's he's a fan favorite, too. Everybody loves him. Uh, and then you get Tanner Allen, who's the Chipper Jones doppelganger, uh, back. And he's moved to right field this year. So and, so and a couple guys that played sparingly last year. So the offense will be fine in time. They put question marks around the pitching staff. The X factor this year, I think, is going to be Christian McLeod. is a guy that medically redshirted last year. And he probably had the best start of the weekend this on Saturday through five. Saturday innings, guy, struck yeah. out 11. Big power lefty that they were relying on last year. Of course, he got hurt. So, uh, big things hopefully to come here. And then they got the big Canadian on Sunday, Eric Sarantola. And he is a he is a first-round stuff type of guy. Upper 90s fastball. Uh, so, State's going to be fine. I think, you know, I think State's to the point to where everybody has always known about State baseball, enjoyed State baseball. But now, the people that weren't so much into baseball because of the new ballpark, uh, you know they're really into it. They were. I heard overheard somebody the other day that said uh, they think that we may have to expand again just because of all the new fans that were like, you know, you got kids coming from out of state in school and they don't know anything about base college baseball and then they go to a state game and they're like, whoa. State baseball is to Mississippi State college baseball is to what. That's what the Grove is to football. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you kind of go unknowing yeah. into it, and then you fall in love with it. Now, the Ole Miss, and, 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 and the Ole Miss on product is not like the state baseball. Well, product. but I'm not still, about that, I mean, it, you know, the ambiance. You mentioned that, like, like the Grove. There's nothing else like it in all of college football. Yes. 
the left field lounge, there's nothing like it in all of college baseball. You know, like you see left field lounges popping up all over the uh, the country and like outfield we, seating. We copied it. it. We yeah. copied it. Yeah. Just like State copied the Grove with the junction. You know, everybody does that now, and it's because of those two things. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. 100%. Um, I would like to also – two things I would like to say to, before we move on to the Ole Miss side. Um, shout out to the right fielders because until you get to college – you're the worst defensive player on the team. You know what I mean? Like everybody yeah. that goes you to right a big field arm. might have pretty good bat, but until yeah. you get to college, it's not appreciated. I mean, for, right. for real, they hide you. Uh, that's one thing. And secondly, there's always the debate in state: which facility and atmosphere is better? What's going on in St- in Starville or what's going on in Oxford? As a guy who has spent entirely too many <laughs> weekend weeknight days uh, at Swayze. And a guy who went to uh, Duty Noble quite often before the expansion. Yeah. I can speak on him pre-expansion and now post having what I've seen. State, by far, has the better facility. Of the two, it is the most beautiful facility. Um, It rivals some of the older Major League Baseball facilities. I mean, it's not far from what Camden is in Baltimore. Yeah. Pretty similar build. You know what I mean? State architect. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, you know, there's some similarities there. But when I – I would say State by far has the better facility, and Ole Miss is a close – and Ole Miss is a second, but it's still distant. Man, the the, the progress – see, I think 20 20 years ago, nobody was really ever talking about Ole Miss baseball. No, they weren't. Which – Oddly enough, coincides with the time that Mike Bianco got sure. to Ole Miss as head coach. Was Harrison and the coach there? Kessinger. Well, I thought Pat Harrison. Was oh, well, you pa- before, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. The, the bridge. Yeah, yes. the bridge. He there, was the yeah. bridge. Yeah, but you know, late nineties. I mean, you know, guys from around your hometowns and stuff across the state that played at Ole Miss. But Ole Miss we had is two a, from Pontotoc that played there. Yeah, two from Tupelo. Yeah, you know, I mean, it. You know, it's, John Michael Reeder and. Uh, I'm th- Dustin Dabbs and Bernie Hutchinson. Yeah, who I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of. of the older Easterling too. I think he played yeah. at Ole Miss, but yeah. But you know, we say that, and the what State and Ole Miss have done for college baseball in itself over the past twenty years. I mean, you, you're not going to find more people that care about it than in this little, you know, two hour radius we're yeah. in right here across the country. Well, when I and when I when I compare the atmospheres, I I'm going to take the easy way out here. But I think they're equal but different. Yeah, they they are. If that makes very, sense, very much so. I, I like to equate like this: Mississippi State is barbecue fest. Yes, it's a party. It's socializing. It's drinking. Yeah. It's having a good time. It's cooking. It's hospitality. It's hey man, come check. And with the game being paid attention to. Sure. Ole Miss games are music fest. You know what I mean? There's not much tailgating like the football game. I mean, people are That's out there right. partying. They're drinking beer. It's a there's there's music coming through the stereo like real like it's it's a, it's oh, an yeah. event, and that's kind of my comparison. I love them both. I go they're to both great, every man. May. You know what I mean? But I, I think they're both world class. They're equal but different. But state has the better facility, and I don't think it's. it's they, I, they, I think it's the crown jewel of college baseball now. I, I don't agree. think there's anybody that's that's close in terms of like, if you're standing on the the pitcher's mound and you do a three sixty, like I don't think you'll see anything like. And it. And here's the thing: I don't think you can ever catch them. Because here's why. They're so far ahead right now. And Ole Miss is – man, Swayze's beautiful. I go to those luxury boxes and I go up top oh, and hang unreal. out with it's, it's It's unbelievable. It is second to one. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it's not a second to one. But, like, if word gets out 
that the Ole Miss faithful and boosters are going to improve what's going on. Mississippi State will just sit there with that check. Or, or even Arkansas yeah. or South Carolina or whoever. If anybody decides State's going to refuse to be. That they have a blank know. check for that building. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. For that whole right. setup, they have a blank check. But but anyway, that's just kind of what I was going to get sure. at. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about Ole Miss. I'm excited yeah, about the season they, this year. You know, so Ole Miss, uh, you know, over the past, I want to say five to seven years, People have been incredibly hard on Mike Bianco. Yeah. You know, there have been some up years. That, you know, you went to a College World Series. You had a couple down years. There's one year you didn't make the tournament. Had a couple underachieving years. And then, and then, but, like, people fail to realize this. And kind of, I want to go back to something I said a second ago. 20 years ago, in the year 2000, if you weren't from northeast Mississippi, you didn't know anything about Ole Miss baseball. Yeah, they got some guys from northwest to come over there and play and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, and not that they still – not that they don't anymore, but my point is, is – Ole Miss is a national player now. It's a destination. And that's because of one guy. I mean, you know, you, you could give credit to ADs and chancellors and all this, but they're all gone. And the one guy that has been there and has overseen all this, Mike Bianco, and he's done, he's put together another good baseball team, Brian. I mean, nobody made a louder statement on week one than the Ole Miss Rebels did. And there was a lot of unknown with Ole Miss. You knew you had Doug Nikhazy coming back. He was your Saturday guy last year. Well, obviously, just like JT Ginn, you pitched on Saturday last year. You're going to pitch on Friday this year. Uh, and then Gunnar Hoagland, you know, also coming into his own is a Saturday guy. And new arms getting broken in in their bullpen. And then the big star of the weekend was Kel Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, this guy, and he's he's a beef team guy. I mean, he – For he, sure. He, he would is, hang out on Fish House Friday with there, there are a lot of guys. Ole Miss is, is college baseball renowned for when they're good – Having a beefy guy in the middle of their order, like Sykes Orvis, uh, I remember Brian Petway, this Kel Baker guy. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you're going to love this guy. He's got this big flow. He looks like he ate Darren Dalton. Oh, my goodness. That that's, is <laughs> – I mean – He might be an illegitimate son of Matt Stairs. <laughs> that's that's the vibe you get with this guy. And he's an energy guy. Ole Miss really good up the middle with Anthony Servideo. Uh, I mean, they're going to be a player, man. What you can't like, you're Ole Miss baseball is to the point now to where it doesn't matter where you pick them in the West. They're going to sit around forty plus forty wins, and in a great year, even more. And they're going to be in the regional, may even host one, and may even host a super. And you have to just that is a reality now in college baseball. This series that they won this opening weekend will ring loudly at the end oh, yeah. of the year, even if it's forgotten. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But where Ole Miss always struggles. Is they lose the ones they shouldn't. They'll lose to Memphis. They'll lose to the UNA. You know after, what I mean? They'll lose their Tuesday night game after taking two or three from the number one team. They'll play country. Arkansas State three times this year and lose two out of three. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. You have to pile up those wins when your conference you're schedule. You're jockeying. Yes. You're jockeying. And your conference schedule is so tough. When you are a top 25 team and yet you are the, the last ranked team in the West. Yeah. I mean – you got to pile up those wins you're supposed well, to. And, and you, the, know. you know, the SEC is not kind, just like in, in football. Yeah. You know, you, you, you're in the best division of the best conference in America. If you ask Mike Bianco right now, hey, Mike, you can win two out of three, 66% of your games every for the entire year. Will you take it this year? Yes. 100%. Yes. Because and they'll be out, he knows they'll be out. that the yeah. difference in four or five ball games is going to be the difference in them having a number by them, themselves on, on a selection Sunday. And going somewhere else. Right. They'll host if and they. And the NCAA, and here's another thing, and this is for state and Ole Miss fans. 
if it gets down, I think it's Selection Monday. They do it at like eleven o'clock in right. the morning. I yeah. wish they wouldn't. They need it's to like start the old, caring more about like baseball. the old ABA draft. Just yeah, <laughs> they do it, and you like you like get through your lunch hour, and you're like, oh, state's hosting. Oh, the <laughs> Kentucky <laughs> Colonels just drafted David Thompson. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but uh, the difference when you get to that day. Don't be upset at the NCAA because they didn't award your team a host. It's up to your team. Trust me, the NCAA would kill for Mississippi State and Ole Miss to host every year because it's more dollars in their pocket. They want that to happen. They 100% want that to happen. They would love to have 16 SEC schools host. <laughs> well, 15, you know, 14 and Southern Miss Florida and, State. and Florida State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People that are going to bring 10,000 people to the stadium. But, you know, and I'll go back to this and then we'll move on. The arms race in college baseball facility-wise, I mean, I just I know this just because I follow things, but a good friend of mine from childhood, Will Coggins, an assistant baseball coach at the University of Kentucky, they have come into, you know, even when John Cope, before he came to Mississippi State, he had kind of turned them into a consistent ball club. Now his former assistant at State, Nick Mangione, has turned them into a player. They have expanded their stadium. Scott Strickland, Benedict Arnold, has started to expand Florida Stadium. This all happened because of your LSU's, Mississippi State, Ole Misses of the world who said, you know what, y'all care about whatever you want to, but we're going to care about baseball mm-hmm. around here. And we do. And that's a great thing, man. It's a great thing. It shines a national spotlight on our state at a time when – you know, your Alabamas of the world who aren't hardly ever good at baseball and your Ohio States and Michigan, the teams that are the teams that are traditionally good in basketball and football don't get that spotlight on these weekends. It's too cold. We do. Too cold up there, Yeah. first of all. And secondly, when you start thinking about the, t- the athletes you have to – the schools you have to compete against and the athletes you're trying to recruit in basketball and football – you bring them onto campus in Oxford or, or Starville, and they're they're going to a football game, and, and they might have fifty five or sixty. You know what I mean? The, the yeah. junction's going to be packed, the girls going to be packed, but they're probably going to get thumped. And they start looking around campus. And I'm just going to be honest; they don't necessarily fit in. That's right. You know what I mean? It's it's hard to recruit there. But the type of player you're recruiting to play college baseball, I'm just I'm just being frank here. Is a, you know, um, I'd rather be Brian, but go ahead and be frank. I, but sometimes sometimes I'll be. It's better for you to be frank. Sometimes it's better for me to be frank. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be about 6'3". More times than not, they're going to be Caucasian fellas. They're going to have dark tans. They're going to be well-built. And when you bring them on campus, they're they they they're a hot commodity. I mean, And you show them all those screaming people and left and right yeah. field, and they're like, Cause when they here for me. Because when they go to an Auburn football game or an Alabama football game, and then they come to the Ole Miss football game, the atmosphere is better at the others. That's right. But when they come to their recruiting trip in Alabama and South Carolina, and then they come to Oxford or State, they go, this is it. Yeah. And they're just so appreciated. And you see like, that. Because, like, you know, they don't put stars besides names in recruiting for college baseball. Yeah. But if they did, all those fours and fives, you're going to see them on their official visits in Oxford and Starkville. Yeah. And when they go to, like you said, Alabama, and there's 2,000 people at a Friday night game, they're like, man, come on now. And, and then know, they go to Starkville, and there's 13,000. And, and, and the thing about college football is everybody has the same kind of amount of scholarships, but the amenities per player are so spread out. That's right. In college baseball, everybody has the same amount of scholarships. They're very few. Like they're splitting 12 and a half by 25 people or 30 right. people. But the amenities are so much more 
available when they're there. Like, you if know what only I mean? we could get Ron Polk on the podcast to talk about how unfair that is. Oh, it would. It, yeah. We, we, how much time you got, brother? We don't have a week <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's going to be a good year uh, in, in state. In Southern Swift, they're, yeah, they're serious. So, I mean, I mean, and then, of course, we got all our junior colleges. Best that are junior always, college baseball yeah. in America. Yeah, it is. But, right here. Uh, which moves on to a, a, another, another topic, another sport uh, that's kind of underway right now. The XFL, the return, dude. It was exciting. These past two weeks have been weekend, fun. And I, I was, I was kind of a. I had the passerby attitude. I was like, oh, you know, if it's on and I'm, I'm at home, I'll, I'll check it out for a minute. Well, I did, and I caught myself watching. And now you're keeping up with lines and overs and Yeah, I was like, wait a minute now. And I'm gonna tell you something that they do that I love. They embrace the things that the NFL. Well, not. For sure. In a I, good way. One thing you just said that I loved, they put the line and the over-under right there on the TV for you to see the whole game. How cool is that? And then the new kickoff rule. That's a safety precaution. I would bet you my bottom dollar that the NFL will adopt that before it's all said and done. They will. Uh, it also, you have more returns because of the the yeah. rule and the setup, and you have larger return yardage per return. Yeah, and and less injury. Less injury. I mean, it's more exciting. What it's, I, it's safer. What I like is the uh, the transparency of it. Oh, I know. Getting a guy on the sidelines with an interview right after he threw a pick, or right after That's they made so a bad call, great, or when they're in the uh, when they have a booth review and the camera is on the face of the guy That's watching. So amazing. It. I just like the transparency, and what's cool about it is it's the exact opposite of the actual WWE. Yeah. Like they they That's don't want right. you to know what's really going on. It's wrestling's entertainment. It's yeah. you know it's not really, and it, it's just fun. And um, there are there are a few tweaks and things like you said that the NFL will adopt, uh, if they're smart. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, player safety is a big deal. Huge. And the quality of the XFL game is the equivalent of good of like a good triple A. Baseball That's game, exactly right. you know what I mean. Like yeah. th- there are guys that play AAA that we know could play in the majors, could play one hundred percent. You know, and this is the same thing. There are guys playing. I go, you know what? That guy's a rosterable, a sure. rosterable, and NFL you'll see player. some of that too. You will for you paycheck will. purposes. Um, you'll and, see some guys that have unbelievable years in the XFL, and somebody's scout team will say, "Hey, man, we can't guarantee you be a three down back. We'll get you some carries." Yeah, we and, saw what you did. Yeah, and and you know, um, I think you'll see a lot of that with with some. Receiver type guys, sure, because there's just so many of them. Oh my gosh! And yeah. uh, linebackers. Oh yeah. I mean, like that's a thin position. The NFL's always wanting guys that can tackle, and if you can show that you can do it, you can get a hundred of them in the XFL. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, I I just like the brand they got putting out put out there. The quality of the video and uh, the production is very good. It's not hokey like the original XFL. Yeah. Like it looks like a real. You remember when the NFL Europe was going on? I do. And the NFL ran it. So it looked like an NFL football game That's just right. played in Wembley Stadium. That's what this reminds me of. You're right. It's like an NFL football game played in the Atlanta soccer stadium or, right. or you know, whatever. And it's just – they're smart. They don't show the entire stadium. They show the bottom half that's full. Yeah. It looks like an event. They show interaction in the crowd. Uh, the marketing has been great. Yeah. Too. I think – does ESPN – is it part? I mean, it's. I don't know. It's something I like. Would say I watched it on ABC, so I would think so. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, you they're know, partners. Yeah, and if ESPN wants to make something a big deal, it'll be a big deal. Just, just being sure. real. So, um, what, what are your thoughts and just on the? None of the other ones have ever made it, 
So give me a prognostication, a prediction on maybe the possible longevity or what happens from here with the XFL and the NFL. I think the best thing, that, the best case scenario for the XFL is they find markets that don't have a team that are also, that, that are football crazed. For instance, if you could put a team in, and you know Jackson's a little far fetched because it's a small. I I, I don't think that they. I, I think they need to get away from duplicating teams in that like like Houston. You don't need two NFL teams in Houston. But San Antonio would love a, mm-hmm. an XFL team. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Louis it, got one. They're going to do St. well. St. Louis, you know, they've been star for football ever since the Rams left. Uh, you know, places like that. You, yeah, it you, makes you wouldn't a throw lot Memphis. It doesn't have enough enough people. They, they're not going to support. No. A, they're not going to support that kind of team. They're That's not. right. But there are places out there. Uh, I don't. Does Oklahoma City have a team? I don't think. See, so. Oklahoma's a football state. It is. You know, that would be a great place to, to a great. And you know, and Omaha. I don't think that, uh, Omaha, Omaha absolutely. I don't know. No, can't. Be. I, I don't know why Birmingham doesn't have a team. Birmingham would be a really good. And one. I think they drew well with the AAF. Yeah, they. Yeah, absolutely. They did. They would. They would kill there. But I think the possibility of the longevity being there. But here's what I don't think they need to do. I think they need to continue to be different from the NFL. One thing that I think they have going for them is I think that America's favorite sport is now football. It used to be baseball forever. They say America's favorite pastime is baseball. Well, that's exactly what it is now as a pastime. I think the now and the future is football. And I actually, I mean, I like all the big sports. I I mean, I like soccer. I mean, I can watch Nadal and Federer play tennis on and and the Masters. and I like all sports, but not everybody's like me. The people that are just diehard, Football fans, one thing that I think that they really appreciate about this league, for instance, you just mentioned the St. Louis Battlehawks. If you're a Mississippi State or Ole Miss fan, guess where the two quarterbacks are from. Yeah, It gives you an opportunity to follow guys who didn't make it in the NFL who have an opportunity in this new league. And that's cool to me, man, because college football fans may be as rabid as NFL fans now. And that gives – I mean, there's so many players to go around. I think the teams will expand. I don't know that they'll ever be as big as the NFL. I don't think they will because I think the talent gap is considerable enough to where it people is. are still going to watch the NFL. But I think it will change the game for the better, and the NFL will say, well, you know what? You guys can hang around if you stay in your lane. We're going to take a couple of things that we like that you did, and we're going to put them in our game, and maybe you can take some stuff from us, and I think the partnership will work. I really do. Or maybe we'll just take – yeah, maybe we'll just take what we're going to use from your game, and we'll just let you stick around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not going to be money exchange. No. We know that. Maybe – Thank yous. Yeah. Pleasantries. Appreciate but, you, man. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, it's exciting. I enjoy it. Um, and it gives you pretty good football to watch now that football's not over. Yeah. But I'll just be honest with you. Uh, I only have it on when basketball's not on. I mean, it's – I'm the same. I am fully immersed. In I will it. wait until March Madness is over with. Yeah. Before I really dive into it, you know. I'm fully immersed right now in what the Grizzlies got going on. Uh, my University of Memphis basketball team, the Tigers – Sports karma has come to pass. Wanted all the smoke. I was. I'm. I'm still. I still love PNE. I'm still on the train. But like, I have to call a spade a spade. Um, arrog- uh, pride cometh before fall, and that's what happened here. We got real arrogant, and started talking a big game and doing things we 
before there were certainties. James Wiseman leaving hurt, that's fine. But then the rash of injuries start happening. Um, yeah. The ascension starts happening. You start realizing, well, maybe this guy was here on his own agenda. Are you hanging on? Are you going to hang on? Yeah. Yeah. And here's why I think you should. I'm going to. I think they'll be okay next year. I do, too. I and think I think there's fine. good enough players. I don't think Precious Achiwu is going to be – I mean, do you think he's going to be gone? Yeah, he's a lottery pick. You think so? He's a lottery pick, yeah. Even with that said, you got Jeffries coming back. If they keep them all. You if, know. If they keep if, them. If they could keep the guys. I'm worried that, about know. a couple of them transferring. I'm think worried so? about I'm worried about Boogie Ellis and Lester transferring. But you'll still have Boogie, hopefully Lester, DJ, Ball, Alex Lomax, Malcolm Dandridge, and the rumor is that the kid from Lausanne, the Musa Cisse, mm-hmm. the top ten player in the country, is a junior is going to reclassify. You know, he's going—he's the best defensive player in the country. Sure, they'll—they'll um, they'll be okay. Um, without the injuries and James Wiseman gone, they're a top twenty-five team. One hundred percent. With the injuries, you just can't hold on. And, yeah, they're—they're uh, they're going to limp, and they're going to limp into the NIT, and it'll be okay. Uh, but they need another strong recruiting class. And next year's probably the year. If James Wiseman doesn't leave and they're healthy, they could have won it all. Oh, man. But, yeah. uh, but you know, it's just the way it goes. And sometimes maybe this is a lesson learned for the staff and for Penny and the whole city. You know what I mean? But um, the Grizzlies, on the other hand, right now, are hot as a $2 pistol. <laughs> they they own the Future Stars game between Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson and John Morant. It's exciting right now. You want more people in the future in the Rising Stars game. If you're not going to be in contention to win it, you want more in that Rising Stars game than you do in the All Star game. Yeah, because you get to keep those guys for two contracts. That's you're right. pretty much locked up for their first six years. Yes. Uh, which brings me to another interesting thing. Nobody does their All Star weekend better than the NBA. Nobody. Uh, the dunk contest was exciting this year. I still like my idea of bringing in the best dunkers in the world. I still, think and it's maybe even the best shooters. Because think about this: how fun would it be to have like the Euroleague champion, Jimmer Fredette, shooting in this thing? Who is the world's best shooter? That guy can light it up. He can light it up. And has been lighting yeah, it up for quite some time. Kyle Hurd can light it up, too. I know. I'm just saying, like, there are people in this world that were like, hey, they might be able to stand out here and shoot 30 basketballs from a rack. I mean, it would be fun to have the world's best shooter and the world's greatest dunker to go with the All-Star Weekend with the world's best players. I loved everything about the whole All-Star Weekend. I watched the dunk contest. I watched the game. I thought the game was awesome. So fun. Uh, and it got competitive. You know, we're so used to all-star games where it's just, you know, let's go, who's going to win 212 to 210? This year, I mean, you had guys blocking shots. Fouling. Fouling. I mean, it was nuts. And the last sequence, I mean, it's unbelievable. But I thought Aaron Gordon got robbed. He did get robbed. I thought that off the backboard. I mean, I literally got off the couch with nobody here but the dogs. And that doesn't happen unless I'm like, oh, my, whoa, This was a tornado warning. Whoa, whoa. And he, I mean, that was incredible. But you know, that's that that, that idea of bringing dunkers from everywhere. Just, dude, I, I'm still think about that. Yeah, and you know, the the All Star Game, uh, much like a lot of other things, is learning how to make itself more enjoyable, more sure. watchable, and them going with the Elam ending is a yeah. big deal. And that's, of course, if y'all know what the Elam ending is, it was, um, I guess you would say, uh, brought about by a thing called the basketball tournament that's played every summer uh, into the fall it's a winner take all two million dollar purse with a bunch of former professionals a bunch of guys from overseas a bunch of college guys who just wrapped up a lot of alumni teams but anyway sure. what they do is they'll take a they'll they will mark put a target score out there so at the end of the third quarter they will take like say the team that's winning and add 22 points so you know if that makes sense so if you're up eight 
if you're down by eight, you got to outscore the other team by 30. 30. So there's there's no clock. The the team that's winning can't milk the clock. You know, there there's no hack a shack. You know what I mean? Like it has to be played out. Gives it a very playground uh pickup game feel. And I'll say this. The games that matter most that we played in are the ones where they kept score and people were in the stands that played. I mean, that, that paid to watch us play. Those are the ones that matter most uh, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But nothing is more intense than game point on a Sunday. Dude. You know what I mean? Like I thought for a second, like, Kawhi was going to throw his hat and, and bring name into the hat of, like, 2020 presidential. <laughs> I was like, this freaking guy. The only thing I hate is they got to figure out you can't end it on a free throw. No, you can't. Which and that's okay, but you 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 can. But it did make it feel real. But it did, and, you know. Yeah. And Anthony Davis said he missed the first one on purpose. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, yeah, it would have been cool if he'd have missed it and said, "Hey guys, I'm going to miss this shot, but we're, you're going to give it back to me up top, and we're going to check it up." Yep. Like that. That's the way you do it. Like yeah. just be like have a referee over there check that thing up. And but yeah. I'm, I'm I applaud the NBA for being a little bit different in their, the way they go about stuff. And once again, like we just talked about with a league, uh, looking at a league that's below it and learning something, they looked at the basketball tournament, the TBT, and said, okay, this game we're playing tonight, the All-Star game, doesn't necessarily matter for advancement. Right. So let's do something different. Let's, let's, let's be fun. Let's be fun. Let's let's make it and exciting. And you know, there's something that I like about it. That, like I, I can tell you one thing I think you could do to improve the NFL. Instead of do it, nobody watches the skills competition. I'm gonna tell no. you why. Because we see the skills competition every time we watch a game. And can I be real? Everything they do in that skills competition, I can put my shoes on and walk out in the street and do it. I can dribble it. I can pass it. I can hit a layup. I can shoot a three pointer. Yeah. I can throw a ball through a net. I mean, right. I, I hoop. Uh, yeah. That's not exciting. And like, you know, like for the NFL specifically, I mean, you're watching guys try to hit a target from 50 yards away. It's like, okay. I saw Pat Mahomes make that pass last Sunday to Tyreek Hill with like you know ten with, guys trying to tackle him. You know, so like I don't need to see that. Move the Pro Bowl to two months after the the Super Bowl to where everybody can play, and you know, make you know, try to get maybe do the Elam style, like you know that do something, do something, and then you know the MLB is traditional. I get it. They you have know, to you, play you're, that. You're game. playing for you're playing to see who gets to host. The risk of injury is so low. Oh, no, no, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. The risk of injury is so much lower in a major league baseball game, yeah. than a football game. Yeah, that they can go get away with playing harder. Now, the only time that it was ever played truly hard. Pete Rose took out Ray Fossey and yeah. his career in an All Star game. You yeah. know, what I mean that's probably a little too hard, but that's just who that's who Pete was. But uh, yeah, the NBA they've got it figured they out. Kill it, they kill it. They kill it. Um, it was it was really exciting. Um, I yeah, I enjoyed it, and it like I said, it gives them something to 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 build upon. Um, sure. I would like to see more fringe leagues take risks like this. Me too. You know what I mean? Like so. I know there's a, a one of the levels in baseball started off with something different, like their extra innings is like a runner starts on second. I mean, there was some kind oh, of yeah. something like that. International so, rule. Yeah, international rule, yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's all kind of exciting things there. that uh, We do that in our tournament. Y'all do that in your if tournament? It's tied, if it's tied before time limit or after seven, international rule. Like an old weekend softball tournament that's playing until two in the morning. Everybody starts off with an 0-1 count. You know what I mean? You better swing that stick. You better swing that stick. <laughs> But uh, yeah. but yeah, we you know there's, a lot, there's been a lot of sports going on. I'm looking forward to Selection Sunday coming up uh, yes. in about a month's time. We'll have us another. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it. Team I root for has got some work to do. I always look forward to it. 
no matter it's fun, no, no matter, matter what. Because we're gonna get together with Gorgon this year. Yes, sir. We're gonna grill some meats, yep. and uh, it's gonna be a good time. Might even have a uh, a podcast selection Sunday watch party that day. Yeah. Have some folks and do some grilling. We got got a good place for that these days. Yes, we but, do. Uh, but it's been uh, it's been a good time for sports. But uh, what you got? Well, you got anything you want to talk about before we wrap up sports wise? Uh, I thought that Rob Manfred made a terrible decision. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's uh, you know I. There's nothing. There's nothing more. It's almost. It's not even passive aggressive. It's just passive. We're just like act, the way he's presented this. As far as the I'm, and what I'm speaking to is the whole Astros cheating thing. Man, you can't do nothing. the The answer is not to do nothing. I'm not sitting here saying you have to do everything. You can't. You don't have to ban them from baseball forever. But there has to be some kind of punishment, right? Because. It's so talked about. It's so thought about. And it's not just me, the everyday, and you, and people you see at the barbershop talking about this. There's professional baseball players that are getting a camera put in front of them, their face, and they're saying, what do you think? And Mike Trout, the face of the game the other day, said, it sucks. Your boy Mike Bolsinger's thinking about suing. He should. He should. And like, I mean, I Careers mean, I, are affected. Legacies are tainted because they didn't I, win games I go games back to Mike have. Trout, and a quote he made, he said, and and it was kind of arrogant, but he's got the right to make it because he's the best player in the game. He said, "You tell me what pitch is coming." <laughs> you know, he pretty much told America, "I'll hit five hundred if you tell me what's coming." So, the thing is this: How many championships did it cost? All right, so let's just say you have to think about who the Astros beat. You know what I mean? Who didn't win? So maybe they cost Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, a World Series. His only shot, maybe. So I mean, he, and, and, not that he doesn't have another shot, but, but he's you, getting older. But if you get that one, now you're not only viewed as one of the best pitchers of your era, you're one of the best of all time because you have right. that, that you championship. Have the, you have the title. So you're like a guy like Aaron Judge. What if he'd gotten two rings by now? And, because know, they and can't beat the Astros. What, I mean, did Girardi get contra- fired? Yeah. He got fired in 2017, yeah. right? The after, yeah. I mean, or, uh, And I think about quit. the guys that who were in a contract year. Yeah. What would a World Series title done for them on a new market? Yep. You know, like, but you look at the Dodgers, you look at the the Yankees, you look at anybody that they beat, and, you know, I know that we're sitting here saying, well, we can confirm they did it in this game. That They did it in every chance. They got a chance. They were looking for ways to cheat. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they they picked nine games out of a 162-game schedule. It's whenever they thought they could do it, they did it. When they didn't cheat, when they couldn't cheat their normal way, they were trying to figure out ways to cheat. Hundred percent. You know, so like, but here's another thing too. There are reasons that certain folks aren't speaking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be real. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to throw this out there. He's on my fantasy team, but I don't think it's any coincidence that Christian Yelich hits that thing like a monster in Milwaukee. He doesn't hit it that well. Ever. Well, I mean, it's an average. I actually talked else. to a teammate of him. I know. His, very recently about all this, mm-hmm. and he's he's upset about it. But here's the thing. They're all trying to do something is what I'm getting at. Like right. Every one of them are trying to get a leg up. Sure. But the one, the you know, used to, and we talked about this, you and I briefly, off a of podcast, you know, pine tar, mm-hmm. spitball, stuff like that, that's gamesmanship. You know, you see what you can get away with. And, I mean, it happens. It may affect one or two pitches a game. Yeah, Reed Flowers sitting over in the dugout <laughs> as your leadoff hitter, looking over at your third base coach trying to figure out your sign. That's different than videotaping the catcher. A hundred percent. You know. That's exactly. I, I mean, I tell my guys, hey, you see something, don't say anything. Come tell me. Yep. Come tell the guy on deck. Yeah. And we do it. 
Everybody, everybody, then you should. I mean, should. if I can tell you this, as a co, as a baseball coach, if my signs are too easy to pick up, I need to change my signs. The first time a basketball coach stands up on the sideline and says, "Hey guys, run play one," and it ends in a back pick lob, the next time he stands up and says, "Play one," I'm gonna turn and look at my teammate and go, "Hey, he's throwing a lob here." That's not yeah. cheating. That's gamesmanship. Yeah. I paid attention to what's going on with my eyes and my ears. And your brain. And, and, the, and my brain and the senses that are on this floor, and I figured it out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't have to video him and go in at halftime and go, hey, when that coach stood up and put number one up, what right. happens here? And, what, and, and I mean, what this did was it involved people that are not on the field. That's what bothers me. To quote uh, the guy from uh, Revenge of the Nerds, nerds! Yes. And that's you know, and I spoke with Brandon Woodruff about it, and he, he said, man – from what I'm told, the Astros have the best nerds in baseball. And, you know, there's there's hundreds of them, and they're always just ahead of – or during the time, at least, they were ahead of everybody else as far as their filming, their scouting. Their, you know, it's one thing to scout a swing and watch your player hit and all that stuff and how he did how, – what area his career splits against this pitcher you're facing on Tuesday night. But it's another to, to sit there yeah. and film them and then hide it and not say anything and hope you get away with it's it. One thing to, it's one thing to study analytic charts and numbers and tendencies and, and pitch counts and pitch, pitch uh, you know, uh, rhythms and stuff like that. But it's nothing, like I said, to literally put a camera on it. And but I'm not it. just for punishing the Astros either. Anybody who was doing this, punish them. you got to set a precedent. I think it's a little bit more rampant than baseball wants to admit. That's why they're trying to keep it hush. Yeah, uh, but – I'll, I'll I'll just kind of just just kind of speak to it. Uh, the reason he said that they couldn't really punish anybody was because there was no way to quantify the punishment because no precedent was set. There was never a time when it said in baseball rules, "Do not do this." So how do you punish people when there's no rules for it? Okay, cool. Then why are yes. we punishing Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and them for taking a supplement that was not banned? Like Winstraw, you know. Stanislaw, Decadubin, all those things were on the ban list. But human growth growth hormone was one hundred percent legal. Let me give you this example. Like they was not they it was they were if tested you, and passed if the you test. Gave every major league baseball player at the time human growth hormone, you would see different numbers, but you wouldn't see different outcomes. Mm-hmm. If you let every single current major league baseball team do what the Astros did the game wouldn't even be fun to watch. It'd be like baseball simulator 1000. Hit, hitters would know every pitch that's coming. You'd see games in the teens. Might as well put a pitching machine. P- up if I was a pitcher, I'd just be like, well, I mean, I, <laughs> you couldn't throw fastballs anymore. It'd have to be all. I mean, you know, it would ruin everything. Yeah. I, so, so it is illegal for a reason. So, uh, and, I, and I'm and I'm okay with Manfred with his. It's a shallow, excuse me, a shallow excuse for not punishing them. But when he says. There was no precedent set because we didn't really have a rule in place. That's fine. Well, let's go back and retroactively say all you guys who are not voting for these guys for the Hall of Fame, all the, the Palmeros who are yeah. disgraced, they are no longer disgraced. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually with you. But with that being said, there was a precedent set with Pete Rose and ba- embedding. That's what's that's that, that's what burns that, me. That had been against the rules forever in baseball. You and know I what I mean? I'll tell you as a coach, and I've said this before, you want your – everybody on your team to play like Pete Rose did. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody in my team being like Alex Bregman. Nope. nope. You know? And that's 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 the difference for nope. me. No, nope. for sure. For sure. But I'm glad we brought that up because I, I've been wanting to and I'm I'm hoping that more light shed on this as the season gets started and maybe the MLB powerheads will get in a meeting room and say, All right, we screwed up. Yeah. For you know, sure. We've got to do something. Yeah. So for sure. Well that about wraps up our, our sports talk for this uh, second half of the podcast. Uh 
Coming up here in Tupelo, we got a lot of big events coming up. We got uh, Bancorp South is loaded with concerts. We got the uh, Morgan Wallen, Riley Green, Jason Aldean concert coming up in about two weeks. Uh, we have, of course, uh, Gumtree coming up in May. We have uh, Skinner Skinner coming up. Is that <laughs> is that in April? March twentieth. March twentieth. Uh, we got Double Decker coming up towards the uh, end of April. Buds and Burgers. Buds and Burgers is coming up April third, which is a big downtown uh, yeah. beer and. Uh, a hamburger event, yeah. cooking contest. And then the uh, the Mardi Gras, uh, what do they call it? It's just a big Mardi Gras parade. It's this weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's They're, disco, they're yeah, blocking off some streets. It's put on by those uh, restaurants downtown. So, like, Nautical Whimsy, I think, might have been the head of it. But it's, like, Nautical Whimsy, KOK. So cool. All those folks are kind of putting on something. So that's this weekend. So make sure you check it out. And, and in the coming weeks, we're going to talk more about the music and the happening coming up. But, uh, yeah, we just wanted to get our sports talk in real quick. So uh, proud of our little town, man. It's 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 it's, but the glow up is real. You know what I want to do? I want to walk. I want to get all the downtown front restaurant owners, all the people Bancorp South, and I want to call a meeting at City Hall, and not tell anything anybody about it, and just walk in and go, "Who scheduled this stuff this spring? Tell me right now." And then finally, somebody quietly raises their hand, and goes, mm-hmm. "Man, y'all are killing it." <laughs> Rage you guys are killing this, it. Rage for this guy. But, yeah, it's going to be a good time. But, well, man, I'll tell you what. We'll wrap it up here, and uh, we'll let these pups uh, go to bed. They, they look like they're pretty exhausted. But uh, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find us and uh, and, and give us a good, uh, good send-off, Mac. Folks, we uh, appreciate you listening. As always, you can catch us on Twitter at The Happening Pod and on Instagram at Happening Pod. We are, of course, linked through Spotify, Stitcher, and Fireside. Uh, give us a listen. Give us some suggestions. We love your comments and your feedback. Uh, we didn't shout. We hadn't shouted out Strange Brew Coffee in a while. We appreciate everything that you do, as always. Thanks for making the wheels turn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, somebody that works for me uh, has a part-time job at Strange Brew. Allie Presley works at Strange Brew, and I went up there Sunday, and she opened the window, and I was surprised to see her. And she uh, she took my order with uh, this biggest smile on her face. So shout out to Sprint Strange Brew. Uh, they, they do a good job in their hiring as well. Allie's and Brian, Brian and I, another place that's kind of new to the town that Brian and I are going to check out pretty soon is Southern Craft. Southern Craft. It's a Griffin uh, Tanner adventure. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's right there behind Fair Park. We're going to check that out pretty soon and kind of give you guys a review like we do on other restaurants. For sure. That we like. So, uh, But, folks, thanks again for listening. Uh, keep killing it, people. Love.